Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This will be for section 100. 100. That's, isn't that like a milestone or something? I'll read the heading. Revelation given to Joseph Smith the prophet and Sidney Rigdon at Perrysburg, New York, October the 12th, 1833. The two brethren having been absent from their families for several days, felt some concern about them. A little background about this chapter, this section. One week previous to receiving this revelation, at a time when the enemies of the church in Missouri were preparing for an assault on the church there, the Lord inspired Joseph Smith to leave Kirtland, Ohio, to do missionary work in the eastern states and in Canada. The prophet recorded that Sidney Rigdon and Freeman Nickerson, who hailed from Perrysburg, New York, were his companions. The day previous, Joseph had recorded in his journal, I feel very well in my mind. The Lord is with us, but have much anxiety about my family. In this revelation, the Lord responded to the prophet and Sidney's concern for their families and gave them additional instructions. That was a heading from, uh, or a summary from Joseph Fielding McConkie. Verse 1. Verily thus saith the Lord unto you, my servants, or my friends, Sidney and Joseph, your families are well, they are in mine hands, and I will do with them as seemeth me good, for in them there is all power. Therefore follow me, and listen to the counsel which I shall give unto you. Behold, and lo, I have much people in this place, in the regions round about, and an effectual door shall be opened in the regions round about in this eastern land. Two years later, Parley P. Pratt will serve as a missionary in this area and will find and teach John Taylor, who later becomes the third president of the church. Verse 4, Therefore I, the Lord, have suffered you to come unto this place, for thus it was expedient in me for the salvation of souls. The Lord knows the hearts of all people, as difficult as it may be for the prophet Joseph Smith to leave his family at this time. It was necessary that he and Sidney proclaim the gospel and and open the doors for missionaries in this area of New York and in Canada. Milton Backman recounted that on Sunday, October the 13th, Joseph and Sidney preached to a large congregation in western New York. The next day, they continued their journey, arriving three days later at Mount Pleasant, Upper Canada, at the home of Eleazar Nickerson, the second son of Freeman Nickerson. During the remainder of the week, with the land covered with a fresh mantle of snow, the two missionaries sought to spread the warmth of the gospel, teaching and preaching in Mount Pleasant, Brantford, Colburn, and Weathersford. One of the highlights of this missionary experience occurred on, on Sunday, October the 27th, after Joseph and Sidney had preached to a group gathered in the Nickerson home. Twelve converts were baptized, including Freeman Nickerson's two adult sons, Moses and Eleazar, and Lydia Bailey, who later married Newell Knight in Kirtland. That evening, the prophet concluded a confirmation meeting. After partaking of the sacrament, the missionaries laid their hands on the heads of the converts and bestowed the gift of the Holy Ghost. The success of the missionaries' labors continued the following day when they baptized two additional converts and confirmed them at the water's edge, or near the water's edge. That night, they held their last meeting in the area, during which they ordained Eleazar Nickerson an elder and witnessed one of the sisters speaking in tongues. Missionary work in Upper Canada continued after Joseph and Sidney had uh, left that region. Writing to Sidney on December the 20th, 1833, Moses Nickerson observed, Your labors while in Canada have been the beginning of a good work. There are 34 members attached to the church at Mount Pleasant, 
all of whom appear to live up to their profession, five of whom have spoken in tongues, and three sing in tongues. And we live at the top of the mountain. For my part, I feel that I cannot be thankful enough for that which I have received. The scriptures have been opened to my view beyond account. Moses Nickerson requested that other missionaries be sent to that area, and John P. Green was called to serve there. Writing to the editor of The Messenger and Advocate, he reported that he had been received by the saints with expressions of joy, and many were desirous to be instructed more perfectly in the word of the Lord. I labored in this region for two months with a good degree of satisfaction, he stated, and preached the gospel to many hundreds of souls. This missionary experience left Joseph Smith with a special love for the saints in Mount Pleasant, Canada. I remember Brother Freeman and wife Ransom also and Sister Lydia and little Charles with all the brethren and sisters. I entreat for an interest in all your prayers before the throne of mercy in the name of Jesus. I hope the Lord will grant that I may see you all again, and above all, that we may overcome and sit down together in the kingdom of our Father. Verse 5, Therefore verily I say unto you, lift up your voices unto this people. Speak the thoughts that I shall put into your hearts, and you shall not be confounded before men. The admonition given here by, uh, to Joseph and Sidney applies alike to all who have been called to labor in the Lord's name. It is a perfect expression of how the spirit of revelation operates. In Doctrine and Covenants section 8, the spirit of, of revelation was defined as that which the Lord tells us in our minds and in our hearts. Precious few of the revelations given in the history of humankind have involved the audible voice of the Lord or personal instruction from angels. For the most part, the Lord places thoughts and feelings in our hearts, leaving the matter in which they are clothed in words to our discretion. Many of these revelations, like the scriptures we have already been given, go unheeded because we lack the courage to trust the Spirit and respond to its prompting. The more closely we learn to listen, the more frequently the Spirit will take the occasion to speak. That was again by Joseph Eli McConkie. Verse 6, For it shall be given you in the very hour, yea, in the very moment, what ye shall say. But a commandment I give unto you, that ye shall declare whatsoever thing ye declare in my name, in solemnity of heart, in the spirit of meekness, in all things. And I give unto you this promise, that inasmuch as you do this, the Holy Ghost shall be shed forth in bearing record unto all things whatsoever ye shall say. When we speak those truths, the Lord has given us to declare to all the nations of the earth, and when we speak those things, the Lord places in our hearts to say, then we have the assurance that the Holy Ghost will carry our words to the hearts of those to whom we speak. They in turn will know of the truthfulness of that which we have spoken. Indeed, it is not an uncommon thing for those who give a listening ear to the words of the servants of the Lord to hear more than what was said, and to hear it more eloquently than it was spoken. Verse 9, And it is expedient to me that you, my servant Sidney, should be, should be a spokesman unto this people. Yea, verily I, I will ordain you unto this calling, even to be a spokesman unto my servant Joseph. With time and experience, Joseph Smith became a powerful orator, though he was not always such. In a revelation given the day the church was organized, the Lord called Oliver Cowdery, the first preacher of this church, unto the church and before the world, yea, before the Gentiles. Thus he and not Joseph Smith preached the first gospel discourse of this dispensation. The prophet relied heavily upon him, particularly in the early months after the church's organization. When Sidney Rigdon joined the church, he was a powerful and articulate speaker. The Lord felt to take advantage, full advantage of his experience and ability. In these early years of the church's history, both Oliver Cowdery and Sidney Rigdon were better public speakers than the prophet. The calling of Sidney Rigdon to be spokesman for the prophet is often associated with a prophecy relative to a spokesman made by Joseph of Egypt and quoted by Lehi in the Book of Mormon. A closer reading of the text suggests that Joseph Smith is the spokesman to whom reference is being made, not Sidney Rigdon. The prophecy in question 
speaks of one who is to assume a special role in writing the word of the Lord, and another who is to play a special role in proclaiming that which has been written. To Joseph of old, the Lord said, I will raise up unto the fruit of thy loins, and I will make for him a spokesman. Just as Moses wrote, and Aaron proclaimed the law given in the old world, so too was someone in the new world, someone of the seed of Joseph, to write the Lord's law, and another, a spokesman, was to declare it. Bruce R. McConkie explained, In this case, the writer and the spokesman are not identified by name. Rather, we are left, based on our knowledge of what has transpired in this and previous dispensations, to identify those whose missions were of such import as to have them revealed thousands of years before the events transpired. Mormon wrote the Book of Mormon, quoting, condensing, and summarizing from many ancient records as the Spirit directed. And Joseph Smith translated the ancient word by the gift and power of God and proclaimed it to all men and to the seed of Joseph in particular as the mind and will and voice of him by whom the salvation comes. With this in mind, note these words of the Lord, and I behold, I will give unto him, Mormon, that he shall write the writing of the fruit of thy loins, the Nephites, unto the fruit of thy loins, the Lamanites, and the spokesman of thy loins, Joseph Smith, shall declare it. That is, Mormon wrote the Book of Mormon, but what he wrote was taken from the writings of the Nephite prophets, and these writings, compiled into one book, were translated by Joseph Smith, and sent forth by him unto the Lamanites, unto whom, as the title page of the Book of Mormon attests, they were originally written, and further, they are sent forth to all the seed of Joseph, whether in the Lamanite branch or Israel or not. Verse 10, And I will give unto him power to be mighty in testimony, and I will give unto thee, Sidney Rigdon, power to be mighty in expounding all scriptures, that thou mayest be a spokesman unto him, and he, Joseph Smith, shall be a revelator unto thee, that thou mayest know the certainty of all things pertaining to the things of my kingdom on the earth. In other words, Sidney would only say those things that Joseph tells him to say. Verse 12, Therefore continue your journey, and let your hearts rejoice. For behold, and lo, I am with you, even unto the end. And now I give unto you a word concerning Zion. Zion shall be redeemed, although she is chastened for a little season. <clears throat> the gospel could not be restored without asking those who gathered in its standard to redeem Zion and to, be, and to build the long-promised new, new Jerusalem and the great temple that is to crown the holy city. All promises to this effect are, of course, conditional. Only a worthy and obedient people can accomplish such a work. The city of God cannot be built upon any principles other than those that came from God. These early attempts to build Zion fell short, for far too many saints had their hearts set too much upon the things of the world. These were eventually betrayed by their avarice and pettiness of soul. Obeying only in part, they received only in part. The fullness of God's blessings can be given only to those who live the fullness of his law. It was with modern Israel as it had been with their ancient counterparts in the days of Moses. The God of heaven offered ancient Israel the fullness of his gospel by the mouth of a great prophet who had stood in his presence. This prophet pleaded with his people to sanctify themselves and receive the fullness of God's glory while in the wilderness and again after they entered their promised Canaan. A few obeyed, but most declared such blessings to be too much for them and, op and opted for a lesser law in their stead. A lesser law whose purpose was to prepare them for something greater. As it was then, so it has been in our day. Though the early saints of our day failed to redeem Zion, they yet retained the gospel with all its hopes and promises. Although we have grown in understanding and stability over the ensuing years, we still fall short of the faith and devotion necessary to lay claim to these promises. Thus, we remain, as did ancient Israel, 
under a schoolmaster. We labor to find the faith to redeem families and wards. The day may come when we can redeem stakes and regions, thus gain rightful claim to the inheritance promised our great-grandfathers. Thus, on February the 24th, 1834, after the saints had been scattered and driven from their lands in Jackson County, the Lord gave these words of comfort and counsel to his prophet. I will give unto you a revelation and commandment concerning the salvation and redemption of your brethren who have been scattered on the land of Zion, being driven and smitten by the hand of their enemies, on whom I will pour out my wrath without measure and in mine own time. Whether their, op whether their opposition is directed against the Lord or against his servants, it is the same. And when the great and dreadful day arrives and the Lord returns to take vengeance upon the un ungodly, then his wrath will be poured out upon them without measure. I cannot learn from any communication by the Spirit to me, Joseph Smith said, that Zion has forfeited her claim to a celestial crown, notwithstanding the Lord has caused her to be thus afflicted, except it may be some individuals who have walked in disobedience and forsaken the new covenant. All such will, make, will be made manifest by their works in due time. I have always expected that Zion would suffer some affliction from what I could learn from the commandments which have been given, but I would remind you of a certain clause in one which says that after much tribulation cometh the blessing by this and other and also others and also one received of late i know that zion in the due time of the lord will be redeemed but how many will be the days of her of her purification tribulation and affliction the lord has kept hid from my eyes and and when i inquire concerning this subject the voice of the lord is be still and know that i am god all those who suffer for my name's sake shall with me shall reign with me and he that layeth down his life for my sake shall find it again uh, and that was in, from the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. Verse 14, Thy brethren, my servants Orson Hyde and John Gould, are in my hands, and inasmuch as they keep my commandments, they shall be saved. Soon after, Oliver Cowdery arrived from Missouri in late August or early September with news of mob action in Independence. Arrangements were made to dispatch elders Orson Hyde and John Gould to Jackson County, Missouri, with advice to the saints in their unfortunate situation through the late outrage of the mob. After arriving, elders W.W. W. Phelps and Orson Hyde were dispatched to the governor of Missouri residing in Jefferson City, the capital of the state, with a petition to aid for, from Governor Daniel Dunklin. Verse 15, Therefore let your hearts be com comforted, for all things shall work together for your good to them that walk uprightly and to the sanctification of the church. For I will raise up unto myself a pure people that will serve me in righteousness. And all that call upon the name of the Lord and keep his commandments shall be saved, even so. Amen. I bear testimony that these things are true, and that it is these uh, unfolding items of the restoration here and the, and the gathering of Zion and the establishment of Zion in Missouri is, is uh, going to happen someday. I bear testimony that these things are true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.